Do you consider yourself a high achiever? Smart, driven, highly successful? I am so excited to have you. My name is Julia Arndt and I'm the host of the Stress Podcast. I will help you develop your stress resilience the same way you've developed your workplace superpowers. Learn peak performance tools to thrive at work and in your personal life. Let's get started. Hi, and welcome back to Stress. I'm very, very excited to welcome my next interview guest to the show today. Hi, Rhonda. How are you today? I'm great, Julia. How are you? Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I'm good. Thank you. Happy Friday. It's exciting um, to, I usually don't record really interviews on Friday. So it's nice um, to finish actually the week with a wonderful conversation. You know what I think? I think for me, Friday, I almost give myself permission to not get so serious. <laughs> yeah. So we'll see if that works or not, right? Same. To, to just life is just life. And listen, 7.8 million people in the world, in everyone's lifetime, we get a chance to meet 10,000. So one person like you, one person like your listener, mm -hmm. if I get to make a difference for them in one day, it it makes me happy. I think I've done my thing. So yeah. I'm here and ready to serve and excited. I'm really excited to have you. Rhonda, um, I'm always starting my questions and my interviews with where are you located? Uh, what time is it? And what have you been up to this morning? <laughs> well, I'm in Las Vegas, Nevada okay. in the US. And uh, it is 11.30 in the morning right now. I have already done my morning routine. Mm -hmm. I have already done my journaling and gratitudes, man. And I, I I've already done another, another podcast too. And I'm just, I'm just all filled up right now. <laughs> it's sunny outside and uh, going to be a great weekend for us here. I think it's the first weekend to swim, which is lovely. That's awesome. Very nice. Yeah. I'm sure it's already really warm in Las Vegas. Um, it's beautiful. It's like it's a perfect it's, temperature. Right? Yeah. It's supposed to be like 90. So we get to the sweltering part where you're like, okay, we don't go outside until like <laughs> night. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause it's hot. Yeah. It's hot. But you know, it's for me, I've lived here all my life and, um, actually was born in California. So I absolutely love the coast, the ocean. And when I need a minute to de-stress, The ocean is a place for me. But growing up in Vegas, 24-hour town, gives you 24 hours of opportunity to overwork yourself. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, you could do anything. Um, it's funny because when I was thinking, I, I don't have to plan as much because the stores pretty much don't close. Mm -hmm. Right? So, yeah. You know, Yeah, there are lots of opportunities for stress and not to disconnect and rest, right? <laughs> right, never to just, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I have certainly had my, my run with not being able to disconnect. My, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, up until, I'll say probably 2019, I didn't realize that the inability for me to disconnect And the inability for me to stop working every moment of every day, day was a trauma response. 
I mean, I ended up in the emergency room and it's a funny story <laughs> about, I mean, if, if, if a trip to the emergency room can actually be funny, this one kind of is because your listeners are high performers and they will relate to this. I had a big meeting. I still remember it. I still remember it. Like that day, it was one of those days when I said, I do not want to do this, but all the, I work for corporate fortune 250 companies for 20 years in sales, business development. Uh, I loved it. I worked with real estate agents and helped them build their businesses. And I can make a difference in like in their bottom line by six figures in five months. So it was kind of, I was a little bit addicted to that. I'm like, yeah, I could do this. And what was happening was I was doing great things for everybody else. And that seemed to energy, energize me until I didn't do great things for myself, right? So all the people pleasing, it's a dangerous, it's a dangerous ledge mm -hmm. because people pleasing means you don't have time for yourself. Mm -hmm. And eventually it doesn't work. <laughs> not, you know, it's not the most fulfilling of, of lives, but it was a six figure income. And, you know, part of my belief system, which we know, beliefs drive what you do they just do um it's a place to start for sure mm -hmm. um but my belief system was as long as i had my independence and i could make money um then the choices were open to me and i would never ever have to deal with life in a way that i did when i was growing up so the growing up thing happens to all of us and in our youth, we make beliefs, right? Based on what our tiny minds know. Mm -hmm. Our brains aren't even completely de developed until we're 27, 30 years old, right? So we're making beliefs and are ill-equipped to do so, but they do form how we respond in this life. And so um, fast forward. So my father um, and I have, well, I have four siblings original siblings and five more <laughs> so well, it was like there's my makes yeah it's it's big so um but the original four watched some some violence because he was an alcoholic at the time and and i became very hyper vigilant okay so i know performers out there are going yep that's me because we're hyper vigilant in the job we can we're good at this job like sale you get really good because you can read somebody like right now because from the time I was a teeny person till now I've been paying attention mm -hmm. to where danger might come to me mm -hmm. because of those little mm -hmm. those little nuanced kind of things that I learned when I was a child right so so it became very important to my survival and my happiness and my ability to function. One, to resolve the thing with my father, uh, which we did, he got sober when he was 50 and I was 30. And we hashed that out because the relationships I was having was were terrible, right? So your first love, your dad, mm -hmm. you want another one just like him. No, troublesome. <laughs> <laughs> but fast forward to, 
I got 25 more years with him and I really got a dad, a, a sober dad. It was the most beautiful thing. And I don't know how many people can actually say that they came from a place where your house was burned down and, and your mother was in, you were all in a lot of danger because he was so, so driven by this addiction, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, I consider all of that like a blessing at this point, but it's because I understand it and I understand what it does to me now. But on the way to the emergency room, <laughs> I did not fully understand the impact that my uh, high performance coping would have on me. So really quick story on the way to the emergency room. I'm, I'm like going to work first and my chest, I mean, you can just imagine, I could not take a full breath just getting in the car. And I, you know, like my back, everything was achy. Like every bit of tissue that was holding onto any muscle was like going, eh. obvious inflammation, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm driving to the sales meeting and I'm wondering, should I go to the hospital or should I go to sales meeting? <laughs> Note to self, at this point, I can see that was the first time my brain, my prefrontal cortex was actually offline. And, and offline, that means your nervous system is driving your butt. That's it. You're like in, in high, get out of dodge mode, whatever. You know, you're, you're definitely feeling under threat. And I didn't realize that I, I just was in chronic fight or flight. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. So I called a girlfriend because I thought, what am I going to do? I could, st- I could feel the pain going up my shoulders. I'm, hold- I'm like holding onto the steering wheel for, for life, right? And I'm thinking I should pull over. No, I'll be late to the sales meeting. And then I'm like, you should put me inside. My brain it was like, go to the hospital. So I'm like, okay. So I take the freeway off ramp. I'm on the freeway. Like having a, am I having a heart attack? What's happening? And the more I'm afraid of it, the more I can't, you know, I just, it's mounted. So I get myself into the parking lot of the emergency room where I think, all right, this is a little dramatic. Isn't this, you know, you're going to be fine. I'm not that person that has a panic attack or a heart attack or something, right? It happens to everyone else, but not to yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, like in my earlier days, I knew what an anxiety attack was. I mean, it, it did involve the, the hospital, but <laughs> you know, it was like earlier, I think like 20 years prior, I would end up in the hospital and um, like doubled over in pain. There was no option <laughs> mm-hmm. because being in chronic fight or flight is so damaging to all of your organs, but your nervous system, you know, the nerves are, are, attached to every single organ and every single organ gets worked in a way that it only should be worked in minimal times not all the time mm-hmm. so anyway so i'm standing in the parking lot of the hospital like with this thing going i know it's not an anxiety attack i know what that is right and i'm i, I mean i'm not gonna lie like i'll be 65 next month and <laughs> i was like ah uh, I don't think I'm ready to be done here. So I'm in proximity to help, but I'm still not convinced. Wow. So, I my, so the only thing I hadn't studied, because you know, high performers, I don't know about you, I, I study everything, like a book a week, 
the you know, everything, all the things. Anyway, um, so I called my girlfriend because the only thing I hadn't studied was energy. And I could feel this energy building in my body. I didn't know what to do with it. And I could also, I could also remember that she said, when you feel that energy, your body's trying to tell you something. I'm like, yeah, I, I don't want to hear it. <laughs> I'm sorry. My body's going to give me limitation, right? And I prefer to be the person who's not limited. Mm -hmm. not, I am undeniable. <laughs> I will not be denied. Like relentlessly driven to do the thing and to not be a whiny crybaby that goes, oh, I feel good. Or, eh. you know, like I just, no, part of my identity, as a matter of fact, was being so proud that I could actually like rub some dirt on it and be good. You know, like my recovery was like, <laughs> I thought that was a really great, a really great skill to have. Not so much. Anyway, so my girlfriend says, Rhonda, I've known you for 11 years. You're sitting in the, in the parking lot at the hospital and you're calling me go in, go in, <laughs> you need help. And I'm like, no, you know, I'm not sure. It's just like this energy. And so what would you say? And she said, the entire time I've known you, you have not done what you know that you're called to do in this life. You've done what you're good at and you've made good for everyone else. But it's, it's not energizing you, it's draining you. And there's no place in your life for you. So your heart, you're betraying your heart. I'm like, come in. What? Like it's the energy thing was a little woo to me at this point. But I mean, the reality is thoughts create energy, mm -hmm. right? And the thought that I had that morning was this job's going to kill me. And here I am now, mm -hmm. you know, with the thing. And she's like, Rhonda, you need to listen to what your body's trying to tell you. And your body's amazing. It will get you out. It will not let you down, but you need to trust it. Ah, there's that word. Ah, trusting, you know, <laughs> another difficult thing. But anyway, mm -hmm. so I ended up going inside um, with the thought that my inner hoe was like, <laughs> for money, I was selling out myself mm -hmm. and wondering by doing this job and wondering, well, if not this job, then what? So I can totally relate to high, high performance people who are just like, look, this is what I do. Mm -hmm. I do this. Mm -hmm. It makes this family good. It, it gives me these options. I do this for a reason. And those reasons that I found that I did them were not all as clear to me as they could have been. So, um, of course, I went into the, to the emergency room. They checked my heart. They che I mean, they did a good job looking at it and all the, all the diagnostics and said, you should check a, check a heart doctor, <laughs> you know, a cardiologist, um, but your cortisol levels are, are, are off the chart. We think you're having an anxiety attack. And I'm like, wow, I got really good at this over the years. <laughs> this one is, this one is big. Mm -hmm. Everything hurt. Everything hurt from brain fog to like touch me sensitive, highly sensitive here. Um, my entire chest, just, 
like I could not move or think anymore. My brain hurt, you know, like, so that it's indicative to me now that all of that was inflammation because I'd been in chronic fight or flight for so long, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So I went to a cardiologist and um, this fueled my, mis- my mission today. Okay. The cardiologist said after many tests, First, they looked to see if there was a hole in my heart. So it looks like there might've been that, and that might've been a problem. Like, so it was a dramatic 30 days of looking at even more in-depth studies. Finally, it just came down to this, like he said to me, Rhonda, the only way that you can feel better is for you to do the things that you need to do to reduce your stress. I'm like, oh, so let me see if I understand this correctly. I got myself here (laughs) and I need to get myself out of it. Those two, anyone who's listening to us today will tell you the thing that got you there is never the thing that gets you out. That's why I hire coaches for myself. It's why I think the coaching industry exists because we are, I mean, Brene Brown, I mean, everyone loves Brene Brown, right? Yeah. Her, her quote that says every cognition or emotion that is undiscovered is driving everything you do. So I'm like, hmm. Okay. You're like, what does that mean exactly? (laughs) So that means every time, every thought I have, which would be fearful, because I can't even tell you how amazing it is to me that if you're in fight or flight all the time and you don't even know it, there is fear driving you like nobody's business. Mm -hmm. And fear sends chemistry from your brain into the rest of your body that is inflammatory and dangerous, really dangerous. Um, The damage that it does to cells, uh, if you look at the top five illnesses in the United States, stress, is at the base of those, right? And so to me, being in this position was like, okay, I, I have to make sure that nobody else ever has the time in their life when they have gotten to a place that they are so symptomatic that they can't even think. Because mm-hmm. clearly your frontal cortex is offline, mm-hmm. right? So you are just getting out of there. Anyway. So I set upon a path to actually put in writing what I did to get myself out of the symptomatic part. And it's interesting because that's the first part of the program that I have. Because in order to figure out what cognition or emotion comes from it, you really have to be able to think. And so to get you to feel, feel better is the first step, right? the first step, and then what kind of life do you really want? What lights you up? You know, what, what energizes you more than steals from you? Yeah. You know, I'm sure. I really, really appreciate that story. I wish I could just listen to you another for another 30 minutes, but I'll ask you a few questions (laughs) Um, because I think it's super interesting. So, okay. So you have an anxiety attack attack in 2019 and you know, you're realizing all of these different things, right? That you brought yourself there that, you know, maybe your job really fueled 
maybe part of you, but not really like, you know, light, light lit you up or um, made you feel really fulfilled. What happened from a professional perspective after that? <laughs> well, I knew you'd ask that. <laughs> so what happened is, um, so I had gotten licensed as a life coach um, during the meltdown that I had had two years prior to that. Okay. Right. So this time I took time off of work to take care of myself. And after three months, I, I felt like I had what I needed to go back to work. My job wasn't there. So sometimes the universe does for you what you can't do for yourself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I decided, okay, well, this is the sign. It's time now to put your co coaching gear coaching self in gear. I got certified specifically for stress management because I needed that information myself. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to make sure, because not everybody's the same. I mean, the body is made to respond to stress in these ways, but it does, it's, it differs depending on people's backgrounds and that kind of stuff. So, so yeah, I do it full time now. And <laughs> yeah, I have, I, I wrote courses to help those people. I have a test that helps people to see how well they uh, respond to or how they cope to the stresses that they're under. Mm -hmm. And I give people a free um, consultation, make a difference call. Cause just like you're saying right now, we were just talking about this earlier. I think it's important that, especially after 2020, it's important that people understand that stress is not just, oh, this is the way my life is. Because it's damaging. It's damaging not only you, mm -hmm. but the little people in your life, like their bodies at this point are dealing with how they, how they perceive danger. And so if they're in fight or flight, then they are on a toxic basis. They are getting all that chemistry in their brains and it's changing the shape of their brain in places that create impulsivity and addiction. Mm -hmm. And it marks the DNA so that if it's not attended to, this child, when he grows up, when she grows up, will pass that tendency on to the next generation. So you can see how important you manage stress, you change your own life, and you impact the lives in the future. So if you're looking for a life that matters to me that's the ticket don't you agree yeah I totally agree yeah and I don't I love that analogy of like you know how you influence others but I also think about it as you know how like how you behave when you are so stressed out and you know you you know what what kind of impact that has on your relationships and on your day-to-day -day and um how then other people take that on that stress maybe even subconsciously or unconsciously and then bring it to the next person and to the next person right i mean i feel like we've all seen this in all different kinds of interactions on a day-to-day -day basis with other people of how that also inf influences you when someone else doesn't take care of their own stress levels oh absolutely i mean we see on the television recently um, we see how people are so worked up that their go-to is anger, mm -hmm. that their go-to is right or wrong. They don't have the patience or the frontal prefrontal cortex to meet in the middle, right? The middle is 
we are we are all entitled to our opinions, mm-hmm. but to to cohabitate in the same space, mm-hmm. right? We give other people's the liberties we expect for ourselves, and that's how it works, right? But people who are very stressed out in and in fear. I mean, it happens to, in terms of diversity, we look at certain um, certain people, ethnicities who have been in fear of their lives mm-hmm. from the time they're small. Mama's afraid to let them go outside, right? So mama's fear transfers the baby's fear and it goes on and on and it changes. It mm-hmm. changes the way their lives are so if we want to impact the future, and this is like my mission, this is the relentless, undeniable force that's inside me that mm-hmm. says, look at this. If you want life to be better, slow down. Because when you do, and you connect with your body, the innate wisdom that is in there will help you to heal from the things a little at a time, mm-hmm. a little at a time. I call them stress fractures, you know, like the fracture, the cracks are where the light comes in and your body knows, first of all, the stress, the response that your body has to certain things is a voice. It actually is telling you mm-hmm. there's something under this. Mm-hmm. So the light comes in and where the light can come in, you can get healed, right? So a little bit at a time, and your body is ready for it. It's telling you that. Mm-hmm. I am so aware that when you're in the fight or flight circumstance, you are so busy telling your body to shut up. <laughs> but there is no conversation of any intellect going on here, yeah. right? We have neurons. We actually have neurons in our heart and in our gut. We have so many neurons, brain cells, brain messengers, right? in our stomach, it's the size of like a cat or dog brain. Like that's how many. So there is messaging going on from our body, from our gut, from our heart to our brain. Mm -hmm. And there is amazing wisdom and peace there. So if you're tired of running and running and running, I mean, sometimes running is what we do and, and and it gets us what we need. Sometimes running is exhausting. Mm -hmm. so when it's exhausting it's time to sit down and listen and think about how you want to feel you know Mm -hmm. the thoughts the thoughts that you think you get your body you get your neurobiology on your side and your brain comes to work for you in terms of better living by chemistry really it's neuroplasty will help you be able to start a habit and go, hey, after a while, your brain says, oh, first in the morning, you wake up at this time. Ah, and then you journal. Ah, you like that. And then you do something for me mm-hmm. and you work out and you give me energy. And we all like that. And that pattern, what fires together, wires together. So without really so much effort, you can rewire how your brain works for you understanding the neurobiology of this body of mine has been like the game changer. I, uh, 
I fully connect to what you're saying. I think it's it's wonderful how you describe it. If someone is listening now and they're like, yep, that's me, you know, I feel super stressed out. Um, um, what would you advise them to do now that they have created awareness around, okay, I am really stressed out. Maybe I am already experiencing physical symptoms that are caused by that stressful life that I have. Is leaving the job always the answer? Oh, definitely not. Thank you for asking that. It definitely isn't because you will follow you wherever you go. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, so the job, my job, was a facility, a perfect place for me to be out of control in terms of workaholism, people pleasing, mm-hmm. you know, all of, all of the things. Um, the job, you can do the job. You, if you right now are going, yeah, but you don't understand. There's a ton. There's so much to do. Mm-hmm. If you're in fight or flight, you you don't ha- you're not using parts of the brain that you could. So if you get yourself to a place where you are grounded and centered first thing in the morning before you start things, make an intention for the day. And I know that sounds woo-woo, but your brain hears that. If you say my intention today is to make a difference in three ways, this way, this way, this way, whatever they are, for my body, for my family, and at, at work. Your brain says, I'm listening. I'm on. I'm on board. What are we doing? Mm-hmm. And the first time you do the thing that you honor your your body for, like you that that morning routine or um, even a piece of it, right? Your brain goes, okay, we got this. It's feeling better. The chemistry in your entire body changes. And with that and your brain on board, you'd be surprised how much more you can get done or how much less you feel like needs to be done. Because I don't know about you, like was priority ever a problem? <laughs> like, what do I put first? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Like, so I can't do all these things. And maybe I shouldn't do all these things. But how do I know? First thing is, I would tell you without question, <clears throat> just because you can do a thing doesn't mean you should do the thing. I always felt like it was incumbent upon me. I have the skill. So I must help. (laughs) Not always the thing. Mm -hmm. Not always the thing. Mm -hmm. But I can tell you I learned at the emergency room how to tap into my body and decide, is this something that I need to do? Is this something that is in line, aligned with who I'm here to be, what I'm here on this planet to do and it'll tell you hell yes or hell no Mm -hmm. so i can tell you sitting in the parking lot at the emergency room the sales meeting was definitely a hell no (laughs) absolutely and the funny thing about this story actually is is that you still considered in the morning if you should actually go to the sales meeting or to the hospital (laughs) right your mind you're still like Is that important enough for me to actually go and take care of myself or should I take care of work? So um, I think that's that's a very interesting lesson in itself of how our brains sometimes think, you know, and how we think we prioritize. And it's actually not a very good way to prioritize. It's a perfect example of what brain power you have when you're in fight or flight. 
Mm -hmm. It's not at all thinking, right. It is thinking, just run, Mm -hmm. just go. Right. So yeah, it amazes me too. It was, it was very telling to me. It was very telling. I sat in the emergency room after the doctor said, you're going to be okay. And like, (laughs) we can't help you. Mm -hmm. I looked at my husband with tears in my eyes and said, why, why do I do this to myself? Even worse, why can I not fix it? Mm -hmm. Like what, what in the world? And it, it really did feel like it was uh, impossible. That's why one of my favorite books now. It's about getting your neurobiology on your side. It's <laughs> neurology in its finest it has just come so far that we have so much available. This book by Stephen Cutler called The Art of the Impossible is like I read it, I listened to the audiobook, and I read it again <laughs> because. This time, I just wanted to underline it. There's so much we can do. And when you're in a heightened state of, I've got to do all the things, you get resentful, mm-hmm. your energy, like when you walk in a room and your energy comes in that room with it, it's not always like people kind of go, oh, what's going on? Because mm-hmm. it does kind of, come, we are energetic beings, right? Yeah. The thoughts, you're thinking everything. It's, it's a working, it's a working thing here, this body, right? So we definitely create energy around us. And I remember walking into one of my client's office, and this was probably a week before I ended up at the emergency room. She's a yoga teacher and a realtor. <laughs> we call her the new home yogi. <laughs> That's great. great. I know. So I walked into her office and she was like, I need you to sit down right now. I'm like, why, what happened? You know, what's going on? And I'm like, oh, on high alert, naturally, right? Mm-hmm. And she's like, something's wrong. Something's wrong and it feels like it's gonna hurt you. Like, you're not breathing right. Like people can see, right? So there comes a point that you cannot deny that something needs to change. Yeah. And I think it's a beautiful thing. It's scary, everything. But it's, it is a beautiful thing because you cannot help but listen to it. Mm-hmm. And there is a beautiful life on the other side. I can tell you, I covet the time where I can, in meditation, just sit. I never gave myself the gift of doing nothing. I just didn't. Mm-hmm. And now I get to sit there and be the observer of the thoughts. And if that sounds strange to you people, your you listeners, I want you to know that that's the first step in being able to listen to something something else besides the chatter that's going on. It's like finally getting a good connection on the phone. Oh, that's what you're saying, right? Instead of listening to all the all the static and, and not really getting the full picture, yeah. it, it is eye opening and beautiful, and how we get to live. You get to be happy. You get to be undeniable. When you learn voraciously, I want you to pay attention to the things that light you up, that you go, wow, that was good. Like, wait, let me write that down. Because that'll help you start to see the things 
that you are meant to hear, maybe even to do in your life. Mm -hmm. And those things energize you. They don't drain you. So imagine how much you would do if everything you did didn't drain you. It energized you. So yeah. here I am running around like the Energizer Bunny. <laughs> That's awesome. And I think another interesting thing that I want to uh, um, reconnect to that you mentioned earlier was that you um, already had an episode two years prior. Um, but was there anything else between, because I mean, you said you're 64. So two years ago, two years prior to that, you know, you had another kind of already signal that something was going on, but you were in that in that job for many, many, many years and a very high demanding, fast paced mm -hmm. job. So what was that like? Because you did choose to do this career for many years. So the episode, here's what would happen. So um, even before I was in this particular um, occupation. I was an executive assistant for a, a, a very high profile family here in Las Vegas, one of the developers. And I would have an episode that would be more like, I knew it was, I didn't know then, but I know now that it was because my nervous system was not safe, didn't feel safe at anything. Mm -hmm. So constantly on fight or flight and the things having to do with my, with my bronchial tubes and my irritable bowel and that kind of thing. I didn't have those because I went to a therapist. I went to a therapist to figure it out because the doctor said your job's going to kill you. Sound familiar? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so yeah, job, job. Mm. So I knew that it was me. And so I went to this therapist and I worked out a bunch of things, but therapy for me, um, it was so slow. Mm -hmm. So the problem was I would meet with somebody at first I met with somebody like once a week and then they said, oh, you're better. Like we can just do once a month, whatever. And it wasn't, it really wasn't as, as accessible at that point as it is now. Mm -hmm. So the point there was that I, I didn't, I had a coach kind of telling me what to do mm -hmm. and, and helping me understand myself, but they were, they, they thought I was fine, but that's the thing. The thing is, Your brain needs disconfirming circumstances to say, oh, things are different. And it helps to have a coach there to be with you to say, so your brain is seeing this, right? Your, your brain is, is seeing that you're changed, but still pay attention to your nervous system. I didn't have that then. And two years ago, my memory went away. Like I wish people... When they were talking to me, I wished that my face was like sticky so that their words would stay, which means my brain's processor was down, like mm -hmm. totally down. And th those kinds of circumstances are really damaging in terms of things like Alzheimer's and dementia mm -hmm. and impacting your, your hippocampus, right? So that scared me, but I thought, okay, I got this three months, I did the same thing I've done every time I had one of these episodes, except now that it was two years going back to work. What was that like? I didn't think I had an option. I thought I had things. I thought I had things taken care of, What I didn't realize was the trauma aspect of things. And it's so, there's so much out there now about what, what they've learned about healing trauma and um 
my my nervous system never felt safe in that in that time because mm-hmm. I was I was just scrambling. Mm-hmm. This is the situation with this job. This job you you grow a following. Service is my gig, right? Mm-hmm. And I was definitely people pleaser and definitely creative. So I was on in demand. So and the more clients you have, you know how many more clients can you have? But the the company said you could have more. Come on, you can do it. Uh, yeah. So yeah. to answer your question, what was it like when I got back into it? I tried to take care of myself. I tried to do the thing for me, but there was still no time for me. Mm-hmm. No, and what that meant is I didn't prioritize. I couldn't. I didn't understand. I was still not connected to my body in this way. Mm-hmm. So. I had so when I had the second one, I thought, okay, I get it now. But the door closed on that job, like, nope, that's not the idea. Mm-hmm. So did that answer your question? Like it it was hard to to leave that profession because it it I felt like it kept me safe. Mm-hmm. And my nervous my nervous system said it would no, you're not safe here at all. And I mean you can set goals all day long. You can want to be a better person. You can want to be a stronger person. But if your nervous system is not feeling safe with it, then you're not going to be. Mm-hmm. You're not going to do it. And what I learned was to pay attention to when I'm in fight or flight. And that's my nervous system. So I can say, oh, even the smallest changed. You know, when we try to do a small, a small change, your nervous system goes, uh, this is different. We don't know yet. Like, it'll try to stop you from making even the smallest changes, you know? Yeah. But that's that's the, okay. So we're getting to something very interesting here. (laughs) Yeah. So the thing is, is that I feel like our nervous system gives us both um, signals, right? The nervous system tells us when there's really something wrong and we need to get out of it. Right. Mm -hmm. Which is what you're describing. But when we are trying to build new habits, oftentimes our nervous system also gives us that signal because it thinks that in the previous state, it was safe. And now we are all of a sudden going into this unsafe state, right? So I talk a lot about this when we're talking about building routines and new habits, because initially when you're trying to build a morning routine or when you're trying to build a more healthy habit around self-care or meditation or exercise or whatever it is, at the beginning, your, your nervous system will tell you, what are you doing all of a sudden? Like, this is not safe because we've never done this. And, uh, and I want to just do the things that I'm used to be doing. So maybe you have an answer to this question, but I think it's a very, it's a very deep question and we can probably, you know, talk about this for another, for another five hours now, but um, we don't have that, that time, but how do you differentiate between something is good for me and I need to push through that feeling of unsafety because my nervous system is just not used to it, but I know it's good for me versus, you know, my nervous system feels safe in something, but it's actually not good for me. If that makes sense. Okay. So this, this is like having a relationship with your body, Mm -hmm. right? So in a certain place where let's, let's just make it like you're in a relationship, you know, and you decide we're going to move to another state or we're going to take a different job. 
so we're up, you know, here we are, this relationship and how well we do that depends on how well we communicate with each other, right? Mm -hmm. It's the same thing with your nervous system. So I will tell you right now, when I started to do the coaching thing, right? Everything inside me said, lit up. Yes, this is the thing to do. Absolutely. And when I went to do it, it was like, I could see resistance. Mm -hmm. I could feel I would go into fight or flight, like something wasn't working. Mm -hmm. And so I would have to kind of negotiate mm -hmm. with my body mm -hmm. and say, look, this is, this is only going live. This is, this is something we can do. Mm -hmm. Thank you for protecting me. Thank you for being there on high alert. But I will show you that I've got this. Mm -hmm. And then you do the thing. And you get, you get the, like I get the dopamine hit right now. I mean, just yay. And your brain goes, oh, your nervous system goes, oh, I get it. It's called a disconfirming, a disconfirming situation, right? So now, you're, now your brain is getting a little bit more flexible and your nervous system is getting a, doing the same, a little bit more flexible. So they're not like, oh, she's in trouble fight or flight right now so there's a, it creates a little bit of space mm -hmm. just like you you create a little bit of space when you do the meditation right there are things that are going through your brain and you create some space to decide no i'm right here mm -hmm. so the same thing that you teach your body in terms of um communicating with your nervous system right so nervous system i can feel when my nervous system isn't okay. So there are ways, gotta love me some neurobiology, little mm -hmm. biohacks, right? So I get in front of the camera or in front of another client and it's a cleansing breath. It is a luxurious deep breath and a very long exhale. Mm -hmm. My nervous system goes, okay, she's all right. Because excitement feels very much like, you know, increase in adrenaline, the things that your nervous system is going, whoa, 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 what's happening? So mm -hmm. if you tell it, if you learn to talk to it in its language, it helps. Mm -hmm. Okay. The other thing is, if I want, if I want to tell my nervous system, this is exciting. And you're, you're going to see, it's going to be great. I can do like, two quick, like up like this. And then, cause it also takes the carbon monoxide out of your lungs, pops your lungs open and then blows the, blows the carbon monoxide out. Mm -hmm. So, um, oh my gosh, Dr. Huberman uh, at Harvard, he has his own lab and stuff. He's, he studied, you know, SEAL teams and high performance players and all that. And they don't, high performance people hear me. High performance means knowing what you're capable of, what your instrument is and how, how strong you can make it, right? So knowing, you know your sport, you know exactly how the instrument works, 
-hmm. you know, so that's the story. The story mm -hmm. is understanding that you can get all of your biology on your side. And neurobiology is right there with it. You know, like if your brain freaks out, you lose. Mm -hmm. Your body gets worn in a way it, it, it doesn't. It takes your brain offline and makes your life miserable. <laughs> Just basically. Yeah. So that's how I do it. And I can tell you too, it's the journey. Yeah. I, I, I really think I'm glad that you say that because people are like, oh, but no, it's like a practice, right? It's a constant like, okay, yeah. I'm trying, I'm failing, I'm trying, I'm experimenting and I'm maybe having a good moment where I'm like, ah, this is how it works, right? So that's how you basically get to learning this new process and trusting yourself, right? Because you mentioned trust at the yes. beginning. <laughs> Seriously. And for high performers, somebody who, for me, I know mine, mine was locked in by some trauma. Like it, you're getting something out of everything you're doing. Okay. So that's, I look for patterns mm -hmm. and I look on, on, on myself. I look for patterns and I also look for what am I getting out of this and running busy all the time was allowing me the opportunity to not look at the things that I didn't want to look at. Yeah. So once I was like, all right, well, let's just slow down and see what things come up. Your body actually will not give you all the things at one time. Because I think we think if we stop, then the rest of the world will just roll over us. You know, like we're rolling downhill and you stop and the snowball comes over you. I mean, I honestly felt that like, mm -hmm. okay, I'm stopped. It's going to happen. Mm -hmm. And what happened was completely different than that. Mm -hmm. Little things, I call them stress fractures. Little things will open up and give you just a glimpse into what is next to work on. It's really a beautiful process. And it made me feel not weak. Like I think part of being vulnerable was like not okay for me because of my, the attachment I had to my being unsafe in my early childhood. Yeah. And so, Maybe I thought I wasn't worthy. Maybe I thought I was less than um, somebody else. And so I had to make sure that they didn't see one iota of weakness. Mm -hmm. I had to present myself as buttoned up and armored up. And that's how I went out there. Your problem is that's definitely not you. Mm -hmm. But you don't get, so I have my hand out in front of me because that's, it's, it's like you're you and me. Yes, yep. it's like a shield. So mm -hmm. if you tell me, Rhonda, you're amazing, it hits a shield because mm -hmm. inside I'm still like, yeah, that's what you think. I'm really <laughs> not that person. I'm really cracking and falling apart inside, but here I am. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it creates a dissonance that is not healthy. Mm -hmm. And so I think for the first time, I got to feel like I was empowered and worthy. And I honestly think it happens. This is one of the grace points that I can't let me tell you even why. Points of grace show up because your body is amazing. The neurobiology that we were born with, if you drop into it, amazing things happen. Mm -hmm. And you will be unstoppable at the right thing, at the thing that just lights you up. Yeah. It, it's just undeniable. Yeah. 
Well, I want to finish the podcast interview with that today because it's such a wonderful message and it was so interesting to listen to you, Rhonda. Thank you so much for all the wisdom that you shared with us on the show today. If people want to learn more about you, how can they best find more information or get directly in touch with you? Well, I have a website. My website is called theundeniablebrand.com. And you can book a session, uh, a make a difference session. Like I said, 7.8 million people, I get to touch the lives of maybe 10,000 in my life and I want to make a difference. So it's no obligation. It's just, just help out there. Julie and I are on the, on the same page when, we're, when we say managing your stress is important these days. The world is not the same. Yeah. Really, the world is not the same as as it was prior. I mean, and it hasn't, it's busy. There's a lot of stimulation for our nervous systems, but here's the beautiful thing. When we get back in touch with ourselves, we will be able to manage that and have an even more fulfilling life, seriously. Yeah. You know? Anyway, so theundeniablebrand.com, I have an online course. I also have a test that I think is really interesting to take and the test really measures it's 30 questions that measure how you cope mm -hmm. and then and then um i will get you the the information back i have an online course as well mostly i do one-to-one -one because i think in the very beginning julia you know it's like you're so symptomatic one-to-one -one, you really get me i don't want to be a big giant coach i want to be an impact impact is like my thing My podcast is called The Undeniable Impact. I need to, this is my thing to do. Mm -hmm. And so as many as I can take in, I do. And for my pod, podcast hosts, I, I open more, more spots on my schedule just to send the, mess, the mission forward, you know, like doing a little bit yeah. for everybody I can. So, and um, I'll give you my link all the links for the show notes yes perfect. that sounds great yeah julie thank you so much i mean thanks for doing the work that you do it's kind of interesting i i meet people that are in the same industry and there's there's just so much available for people now yeah for sure I, yeah. go ahead no i i just wanted to say you know we were saying that before we jumped on the recording but I think it's important that we are sharing this message. You know, I never see people like you or like when I have a performance coach on my show, I never see them as competitors. I'm always like, thanks God, there's more of us. That's right. <laughs> there's That's so right. many people that need this help. And um, it's so important that we talk about this and we create more awareness around this. And I'm super grateful for, for all of us, right? For all of us stress management Seriously. coaches. Because yeah. I think... As you know, the world gets crazier and crazier nowadays. We need there needs to be more of us that help people to understand what's actually doing to their bodies and minds and what they can do in order to. And it, it definitely impacts the future. Julia, I'm telling you, hmm. I made bread, my own bread for my child. I made sure that nothing, you know, like his clothes were made of the right fabric. So he didn't get any toxins. Like I did all of that. Yeah, I didn't realize that the stressful way that I was living was impacting him. Mm -hmm. And he has a, he has a um, tumor 
on his axis here, mm -hmm. right? So it, we're all we're all of the. Um, you can tell it bothers me. Ha! <sighs> It just, it just killed me. So the tumor is from um, the pituitary, it's a pituitary adenoma and it, and it comes from fight or flight and as a child mm -hmm. because my life was so upside down mm -hmm. uh, until I got it straightened out. You know, that's kind of the thing. If I had known about it, I could have, I could have treated him in a different way because there's resilience and the steady love of one parent even, you know, is enough to change the markings on the DNA to stop it from being transferred to the next generation. So even if you're somebody like me, you know, I I, I said to my son, I'm like, I wish I had known him. I, I am so sorry. Yeah. But he's doing much better too. So understanding where you come from, what your body's doing, even in the least favorable circumstances. Yeah. The world can still be beautiful and yep. uh that's it that's that's my mission people that's the deal <laughs> yeah and you know i think this is also a powerful message because you can't always prevent it but it doesn't mean that you can't you know still work on it and you can still try to make it better yeah i think in especially after 2020 there was trauma there is still trauma mm -hmm. kids were right there next to the adults wondering what the heck was going on Mm -hmm. It's very hard to discern whether for an adult, very hard to discern whether or not you actually have a solution or you're safe. And so, and jobs being gone and that kind of thing. So the little ones that were there definitely experienced some toxic stress. And so with the clients I work with, I work with them so they can work with their babies too, to make sure when you go to the doctor, um, to the pediatrician with them, you, you tell them, I think this happened during this, you know, in, in the unfortunate circumstance in underserved neighborhoods and stuff where there is violence and all that, we, we have that too. Yeah. So it's really important. It's, it's not just this situation crosses all socioeconomic boundaries and it's the real thing for this country. <laughs> Yeah, this is it. And we need to be cognizant of it. I think we're good students of this beautiful life that we have. So thank you so much. Thank you so much, Rhonda. It was wonderful to have you. Thank you so much. Okay. okay.